0: Love To Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the wisest counsel and the most fascinating people in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymous Bosch of Business. And my friend, have you ever wondered just how long sweet old mother earth is gonna be able to feed us all? I mean, she's got seven point fifty three billion hungry opusemia I mean, almost sapient mouths to feed. And we're well, we're multiplying like well, rabbits. <laughs> Our poor old planet is just running out of living, let alone agricultural room. So what's the outlook? Well, thanks to three exceptional partners, Marco O'Shima. Mark David Rosenberg and Ed Hardwood, the ultra compact high yield aerial farms model of agriculture uh, is something they are successfully operating in New Jersey and are out and making our outlook very good indeed. Area Farms is, well, it's inventively revolutionary. It's easily transferable. It's efficient, scalable, areoponic, insecticide-free. It's got so much of what we need, and this very day, we have Area Farms co-founder and chief marketing officer, Mr. Mark Oshima, to guide us through the leafy green, delicious labyrinth of what you can expect to see mushrooming in urban centers uh, where you might never have figured they would be before. So... Whether you are looking for a new investment or some fascinating science, or you just want a nice new chance to chow down, pull up your chair a little closer and join us in this feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Mark, I thank you for leaving the bib Lettuce and bib Overalls to show us uh, how Aerial Farms is pointing the way to the future. Well,
1: happy to be here, Bart, and thank you for having me on, and happy to be able to share what uh, we're doing here at Aero Farms. and. Really, like you said, we're thinking about how we can disrupt agriculture, how we can really be able to enable local production and put the farms in the communities where the people are. And we'll be happy to share more about what we're doing to uh, lead the industry for indoor vertical farming.
0: That's great. Well, just from the very beginning, as I said, Aerial Farms was one of these matches made in business heaven. I mean, you've got three experts co-founders. You've got an expert business person, David Rosenberg. You've got an award-winning marketer, marketer, your, your, your humble self, and you've got a renowned product scientist, Ed Hardwood. So, uh, What brought the three of you together? I believe it was 2004. G- give us a brief thumbnail tale of how you launched Aerial Farm School.
1: Yeah. Well, first, it's a reminder that you know, farming is really, really challenging, and it takes a very diverse set of skills. And that was a really important part of when we thought about coming together that uh, it's not just enough to, anymore to be able to think about I know how to grow and I know how to take it to market, but how to put that all together. And that's really this foundation that we have. And so it's a very much uh, a foundation built on a functional skill set, uh, but it's also more one that's built on a, a shared sense of values and shared sense of purpose. And that's what's most exciting about the work we're doing today. So, We think we're not only transforming agriculture, but we're transforming business and how business can be done. And so the real thesis has always been about how we can have an impact in community and think about nourishing uh, the community with healthy, delicious, safe uh, food. And what's evolved, though, is really an opportunity to be able to disrupt the entire agriculture industry and understanding how to grow plants better than anyone for the uh, improvement and betterment of humanity. So this is really what we're focused on and passionate about.
0: I think that's marvelous, and you have put tangible presence to, your, to this mission of helping humanity by taking over a virtually abandoned a 75-year-old steel factory in the center of Newark, New Jersey, and you've made it Area Farm's national headquarters, and I believe you've got about 70,000 square feet, and you've proceeded to grow the world's largest aeroponic farm. I believe that's right. So when I walk in to 12 Rome Street uh, as a summation. What, what am I going to see when I when I enter your, your building? What's going to surprise my eyes?
1: Well, this is definitely a new way of farming. And so,
0: yeah, we're excited to have our global headquarters
1: in, in downtown Newark uh, and right at uh, 212 Rome Street. And so the idea that we can bring farms right into the cities and the urban environments. Uh, but we're talking about growing indoors without sun or soil. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what makes that possible. But well, we're talking about growing and converted warehouse spaces. And that's really what's exciting here is we think about how manufacturing has really disappeared and we have uh, old buildings and how we can repurpose them, breathe new life into them. And so where we have our global headquarters, it is a over a 75-year-old former steel factory uh, that had been abandoned, and the idea that we could transform that into a state-of-the-art green, growing uh, farm and be able to provide and nourish the community is something that we're really excited about and passionate about. But when you walk into these indoor farms, and our farms, you're talking about walking into an open growing space, 40-foot high ceilings, and we talk about vertical farming. Mm -hmm. The idea is that we're stacking the beds of growing one on top of the other to be able to maximize the output. And so all of a sudden, it's no longer you know, what is that productivity per cubic foot? It's productivity per... uh, rather productivity per square foot, it's productivity per cubic foot. And thinking about, again, how do we maximize and leverage that space? Ah. And so we're talking about row after row, tower after tower, uh, just a verdant, green, lush growing environment. And it's completely independent Mm. of the seasons outdoor or the weather. And that's what's what's really exciting is that we're able to grow consistently high quality all year round and grow better product, Mm. better nutrition, better flavor. And we're really transforming the area inspector around food safety as well. So from seed to package, everything is managed mm-hmm. and carefully cultivated and, and controlled. And so this is exciting in terms of what we're breaking through on so many different fronts. And these farms, at the end of the day, though, are just creating beautiful product that people are passionate about, top chefs, top tape mixers, mm-hmm. and really creating some excitement in the marketplace. That's
0: great. Uh, one quick question. How many layers high?
1: So it depends on the space, and so we've built systems uh, seven levels high, uh, 100 feet long. Uh, In this particular farm where we have our headquarters, they are 12 levels high. Uh, We have designs around 14 levels high as well. And and so what we're trying to do is maximize uh, the the, the, the utilization of the space. Uh, We even have farming systems that are two levels high. For example, we have it in an inner-city school right in their dining hall. And it's a hands-on experience for the students. So our technology is very modular, very flexible, and can be adapted to different spaces. And we talk about, again, how do we utilize abandoned spaces and breathe new life into it. That's one of the ways that our technology enables that.
0: I think it sounds as if you're breathing new life into the students as well. Uh, I just, it now i'm coming up to to one of the the trays here, the towers, and instead of god 's own dirt, what I'm looking at is something that looks like kind of a white burlap cloth with a, with the roots all dangling down oh uh, without giving away all your special sauce what's what's a growing process at work here?
1: right, so we actually don't grow in soil uh, we have a patented proprietary growing cloth medium. So the seed actually sits on the cloth and uh, the germination takes place and the root goes down. And then we're misting. The arrow and arrow farms refers to aeroponics. So we're able to deliver the nutrients, the water in a very targeted way. And we're using 95% less water than the field farm and even 40% less water than hydroponics. And this is creating a really healthy growing environment for the roots. It turns out what roots need is actually oxygen. And so it's creating this really healthy biome. And we're able then to cultivate that. And there's a number of advantages of the cloth that we've developed. Uh, first of all, it's lightweight. So when we think about the structure and the building and the construction of that, uh, it's also sure, a sure. reusable medium. And this is really important because uh, the circular economy, how do we eliminate waste? How do we be really judicious with our resources is built into our DNA. Uh, as an aside, we are a certified B Corporation, so there's a scorecard on how we're doing environmental as well as societal fronts. But the cloth itself, uh-huh. the fact that we can reuse it, uh, is an important aspect we've used the same cloth for years. But the cloth itself is actually sure. made out of 100% recycled water bottles that we're taking out of the waste stream and turning it into uh-huh. something green and productive. <laughs> so, we're like really it, so my thinking, pile
0: jacket could, could also be part of your, your, uh, your cloth medium.
1: It's uh, taking some of that technology, but, you know, we've really identified the right weave, the White West, and, you know, we have patents around this and a lot of global protection around this. And so, yeah, we are the only grower that has the rights to be able to grow in cloth uh, for aeroponics around the world. So that's a key defining aspect of some of the technology that we have. But what that has led to is really an appreciation of how to grow in a very controlled manner, uh, very judicious, again, with the water and nutrients. Uh, but it's really insight in terms of, again, how do we have the plant express itself in different ways? And that's what's exciting. Uh, when you look at this technology that we've developed, all of it is proprietary. And so in-house, this is what we're most proud of. You know, today we're about 135 people on our team. Uh, it's comprised of right. not only the plant scientists and the plant physiologists and the crop physiologists, but also the engineers. And we also think then about the data scientists, uh, we're not only thinking about the plant health, we're thinking about human health. We have registered dietitian nutritionists on staff as well. And then we've integrated in world experts on operations and food safety. So we're thinking holistically about how do we deliver a better product and be able to do it in a consistent way at high quality. So it's been really exciting to be able to think about how we can re- oh, really yeah. define what agriculture is all about.
0: Well, I've got to say that I uh, – with all the effort you are uh, putting into helping plants express themselves, I wish you—you uh, you might want to take that model and uh, put it over into some of our educational system. I think uh, the kids could use it. Uh, but none. If you've just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time wafts silently across the mysterious miasma of cyberspace, where you may listen and download all our episodes by visiting theartoftheceo.com. That's theartoftheceo.com. And as an added uh, avenue, you may also enjoy our shows on C-Suite Radio. We are proud members of, of the C-Suite Radio Station, where wisdom of... Business experts flows profitably in all the directions of your own enterprises. So just visit our Art of the CEO episodes on C And Mark, uh, to help us, uh, you you've mentioned a couple of terms. I, I think we should we'll get them straight. Uh, there's traditional soil farming. I think most of us understand that. And then there's the alternatives. It is hydroponic farming, and then there's area farms, vertical aeroponic farming. Could you uh, give us the comparative yields for for all three and and define the methods of of the the two alternatives?
1: Yeah, happy to share a little bit more. Uh, When we talk about uh, first around the the aeroponics, um, Mm -hmm. we are delivering the nutrients uh, right through the mist of this water solution. Um, And so we're targeting it specifically right to the root level. And we're even looking, you know, at that size of that droplet down to the micron to be able to understand how to enhance absorption and nutrition uh, of, of the different uh, of the different uh, elements there. And so this is a really important lens in terms of thinking and how do we think about um, having the plant express itself in different ways, being very targeted. Uh, hydroponics, uh, you're using a water-based solution as well to deliver the nutrients, but the roots are actually sitting in it. And you need Yikes. to add oxygen then to that water solution. And so, again, going back to the oh, basic okay. premise that the roots actually need oxygen. And then field farming, while there's an appreciation of what they may be, the complexity is quite intense. And so, you know, there's a reason why today when we talk about large-scale commercial production and how we're feeding the masses that Central California – here in the U S at least has been a key growing region and they have the right temperature, the right climate and puts a lot though of pressure though, in terms of, you know, one particular region. And it's really a challenge when you think about, you know, how to grow in that kind of environment. You think about this, the, idea of that seed getting the right water and the right nutrients, uh, getting the right sun. Sure. So we're able to, from our growing process, be able to optimize that. And just to put it in perspective for baby leafy greens in particular, that uh, in the field take 30 to 45 days to grow. And the big variable there is the sun the right. time of the year. And again, think about any sure. other manufacturing business that would have that kind of a swing. It's quite dramatic. And then our approach... Yes. Uh, We actually normalize all that, have very consistent inputs and outputs, uh, but we're able to achieve 390 times greater productivity per square foot than the field farm for a few reasons. One is that crop cycle. 395.
0: I just want to say that again. 395 times the square foot of what uh, the farm I'm looking at right across the street from our studios is is giving us right now right
1: yeah absolutely so what's driving that is the fact that we're able to grow that exact same crop that may in the field take 30 to 45 days we can grow it in 12 to 14 days by giving the plants exactly what they need when they need it you know we really think of ourselves as the plant whisperer you know thinking about again how to really be able to divide provide the right uh, kind of uh, inputs there Uh, The other aspect, though, is I mentioned the vertical nature of the stacked beds. And and then the fact is uh, there are no weeds, right? So we don't have to use any kind of uh, herbicides or anything like that. We're actually able to get greater output per square foot, greater density. And so you factor that all in, and it leads to a much, you know, much, much more significant uh, opportunity to be able to think about uh, output and productivity.
0: Right. I see. Well, now this currently, as I understand it, you're you're pretty much uh, you're concentrating on leafy green vegetables. Uh, Just uh, taking your vision a little further, and I'm sure you have. uh, What uh, what other edibles uh, might effectively be produced uh, employing the the aerial farms method?
1: Well, we should talk about a few things, and you know, we really fundamentally Mm -hmm. believe there's no technical or technology limitation. We, we, we think we can grow anything. Uh, it doesn't mean we grow everything, though, because it depends on where we can have the right impact and the right uh, kind of yield and performance. And so what's exciting, though... Is Watermelons might recept- be tough, I would think. Well, uh, we, we can grow and have grown um, not only the leafy greens, but we've grown the vine crops, we've grown the tubers, we've grown the root vegetables... Uh, we 've grown beautiful fruit, uh-huh. you know like berries uh, and so we 've actually grown uh-huh. over seven hundred different types of plants and so that idea that we can really celebrate a diversity, really think about the impact that we can have it, it, it's uh, it 's incredibly exciting. Um, our commercial farms that wow. we have out and you can find the products at the, any of the major supermarkets, like a ShopRite or Whole Foods or even fresh direct um, what we're doing is actually uh, optimizing our commercial farms for the short stem leafy greens and herbs so that we can get as many beds stacked in there. That's right. where we have a big uh-huh. impact on that crop churn. Uh, but we have other sure. farms that are doing uh, incredible you know, research um, and really being able to solve some major uh, sourcing issues around agriculture products. And so the impact we're having is right. on so many different fronts. And we have great okay. – um, Partnerships, you know, for example, we have a program we're doing right now with the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Uh, that's a million-dollar grant that we received that we match. It's a $2 million program. It's the first time they've ever awarded anything like this, but it was specifically around our ability uh-huh. to be able to identify stressors of leafy greens to optimize for nutrition and taste. And the fact is we right. have the ability to okay. control these different levers and be able to think about – a more nutrition-dense product, better flavor, better mouthfeel. So we're looking at really a very rigorous organoleptic approach there. And what's exciting about that is, Uh again, we really feel like we're creating a a new category of food that ultimately is driven by taste, and the consumer is really excited by that. Like, our high bar for our greens is that no dressing is needed, uh, and people are literally just Uh grazing on them and and eating them. Uh, I just met a customer (laughs) And this is without any exaggeration. She mentioned that um, she was at uh, actually uh, our ShopRite store in Newark and bought five packages of what is called our spicy mix. She ate four on the way home. That's what she told me. And uh, (laughs) she said the flavor was so incredible and that she just ate it like popcorn. Right. But, you know, you can change behavior if you make it taste good. And so it's been exciting to get feedback from customers like that how much excitement there is around the flavor profile
0: well i i think it's fabulous that you're doing that and i think I think i was going to say that wonder if if you're losing uh a variety from the soil uh from from the great variety of organic soil products but it does not seem so at all and uh i think it's i think that's grand and i i can't wait really until my uh next cabernet which uh which we grow in our own uh, vineyard back here at at, uh, at our place is mm-hmm. uh, I can't wait to see see you how know, it uh, stacks up to the Aerial Farms uh, Cabernet coming up no doubt uh, right right <laughs> and, but um, you know
1: th- th- that concept though, yeah. of terroir and it's been a lot of emphasis you know on that is. Is an important one, and, and it, there's a reason why there are certain regions that, that you know, specialize in different oh, yeah. types of crops and different ex- things. And sure. But what's exciting is that we can actually study that. We can actually understand what are the elements that are going into that, and we can replicate that, and we can enhance it even further. And so that's what's the most exciting is that not only can we replicate it, we can do it consistently time after time. I mean, I think people appreciate, yeah. you know, there's always usually one time of the year when you pick something uh, at the at the market, and it's like right at its peak flavor. It's this magical moment. But imagine if you could have that every single time, all year round. And that's what we're able
0: to do. Yeah. Well, I I can see that. I see you emulating a viticultural uh, thing. And, and so, uh, what's the best vintage year for Area Farms wine? Every cotton picking one. Anyway, <laughs> or every grape <laughs> picking one. Anyway. now <laughs> – Coming up, Mark is going to be sharing with us some of the business aspects of his agro-revolutionary area farms right after we gather our little gray cells and take a brief sorbet from today's Feast of Wisdom. So if you will allow me to offer a few utensils for today's feast, Uh, first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, i me to ask, will this be the day that you, you sort through all that advice warning you against your next venture and you use it as a fodder to help make up your own mind? Or will you continue to follow the opinions of another because, well, she's credited as uh, more of an authority? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. As the second utensil, I can sense you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips bookend, which I thumb through as we speak. Anyway, let me see. No, no, no. Okay, here we are. Seventy-nine. <clears throat> Build a better mousetrap, and the world will not meet a path to your door until you show them some trapped mice and tell them where in the world you live. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? If you make your product perfect, is that really enough to, to draw the uh, the crowds at you waving money? Uh,
1: that's one element, no question. But really, I think where you need to start with is the business fundamental of, you know, what is the problem you're trying to address and solve? And that's where we started with AeroFarms mm-hmm. and thinking about the pain points that you see today in agriculture. So you think about droughts, you think about loss of arable land, you think about – uh, over dependence on pesticides and fertilizer and creating dead zones and worker welfare uh food safety uh, there's an appreciation that we need a new paradigm and we need a new approach and so we thought about very much about how we could help solve that from the beginning and meet a market need and then be able to exceed that market need and so I think that's taking you know the initial um, quip that you're sharing, which is saying. You know, we fundamentally listened to the marketplace and came back with a solution that addressed it. And I think that's really important with any business and thinking about problem solution. And the idea is that we're not going to create the better mousetrap just for the sake of creating the better mousetrap. It's really thinking about how is this going to help? And so we think about our selling partners, their ability to source and deliver a consistent product. Um, there's more volatility today in the marketplace with a field-grown product, with mother nature, weather, pests, availability, that those all become opportunity lost sales, you know, for that. And this goes back to when we started this conversation and thinking about it takes expertise in all areas. So not only thinking about the growing and the growing technology, and then we have an incredible visionary and clean tech leader and our CEO, but the idea that how are we going to think about the sales and sales channels? So my background in retail and brand management, having, you know, manage the marketing for major supermarket chains, right. for major specialty yeah. food retailers, is understanding and speaking their language and thinking about the category, how we can grow the whole category. But this is all about bringing this together so that we can actually solve the pain points that they have today. And then along the way, what we discovered uh, yeah. is that this is not just about disrupting the supply chain and having a consistency of the supply, it's actually about how we can grow a better plant and create a new category of food that's celebrating not only the food safety aspect, but really putting front and center the health and nutrition, and then ultimately the flavor. Yeah. So that's what's been most exciting about very, thinking
0: about where we see yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: more opportunities. So thanks.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Well, if you we smirked a bit over the quip and, uh, and took to heart, uh, Barnes wise response. Uh, we, we've got them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 or 101 best business quips books, and your amiably barbed wit will flourish like a toadstool in a swamp, and you'll be the most sought after croak in the pond, or, or, or so we would have you believe. Uh, and as a third utensil, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer, the answer, I'm sorry, to last week's business quotation that is, the name of the individual who said, Don't be distracted by criticism. Remember, the only taste of success most folks get is when they take a bite out of you. <laughs> Those wise words were spoken by none other than the salesman, showman, and lavishly read motivational author, Mr. Zig Ziglar. My congratulations to all you winners out there, and stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting your way comes yet another enriching quotation. And if you know the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down or you as you believe him or to be, and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's info at bartsbooks.com, and if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind, soul, and career-igniting gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And before we return to Marcus Shaman and his Aerial Farms method for turning uh, good green lettuce into high yields of the legal tender green, uh, allow me to introduce to you the company, by whose good graces we're here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among many other divisions, Books Ultimate Business Guides, And this very day, Prometheus Publishing invites you to take a look at a book. Well, this is the one that started this whole bizarre radio show, The Art of the CEO. It's a volume that uh, collects and distills really the most masterful practices of business leaders uh, from all around the globe and presents them right to you to apply to your own career and your own company. This book has been praised by radio show host and CEO himself, Mr. Daryl Gunter, who said, quote, one of the best business leadership books I have read in my career, full of wisdom, what are you waiting for? So I, I would suggest you do wait no longer, and Carpet DM, my friend, go to Bart'sBooks.com, pick up your copy. You are indeed worth it. Now, uh, with our utensils in hand, let's return to some more of Mark Oshima, founder of co-founder of Area Farms, whose Dream Greens are profitably pointing the way to the agriculture of tomorrow. Mark, um, there is one problem in the whole system that keeps troubling me, and that is you've got you've got twenty-four-seven lighting and a great deal of water, less than normal, but all sucking the very limited resource of electric power. And uh, there has been criticism on this was with Aeroponics. So l- allow me to ask, how environmentally sustainable is your farming method looking at the electricity it's drawing on?
1: Yeah, great question and, and one that uh, we're happy to talk about. And it's one of the reasons why you know, we thought it was really important To go through the certification to be a certified B Corporation where we have a scorecard and how we're doing both on the environmental and societal aspects. And this is one of the most important um, considerations when we think about what we're doing and how we're doing it. I just want to clarify a couple things. Um, First, uh, our growing algorithms that have been carefully developed and cultivated for each of our different uh, varieties and plants um, have different components. Some have what's called a diurnal cycle, which is a rest cycle. Uh, so, just to clarify, not everything is twenty four seven but what we want to highlight right. is our expertise in thinking about you know even plants don 't need sunlight, they need spectrum of light, and we 've developed our own proprietary LED array and so this is when we talk about bringing the expertise in house so we have a Cto who 's formerly the CTO of a publicly traded LED company formerly of GE lighting so we are the only commercial grower in the world that 's been growing exclusively with LED lights since two thousand and nine. Um, we have our own proprietary design. We take out the energy hog from that, understanding which parts of the spectrum the plants actually need and deliver just that. So we have a much more efficient and much more powerful type of um, LED that uh, we're able to deploy there. Uh, but we are constantly uh. thinking about our farms and the use of uh, renewable energy or alternative energy. Uh, so our site and in, uh, in our farm that we have in, in Newark, that's the world's largest indoor vertical farm, We've actually installed natural yeah. gas turbines, and the idea that we can oh, uh, bypass. I was
0: hoping you would say it was solar, and you were taking sunlight and transforming it into the dark to bring sun to bring to bring sunlight back, but, but not so. You're using gas turbine. Okay,
1: <laughs> Well, this is uh, an important part, and so it depends on siting, and so there's different mm-hmm. areas where solar makes sense or hydro makes sense. Uh, in this particular area, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. you need a pretty big footprint on the solar. Uh, in order to have the right kind of output. But what we're trying to do, though, is just, again, think through this equation. So what we're doing, the grid actually is our backup, right? So we're much more energy efficient and resourceful from that standpoint. And gas generated uh, electricity much more efficient than coal, uh, less of a carbon footprint there. And then you're bypassing, you know, there's this 8% that's lost in transmission, right? So there's a lot of inefficiencies. And that idea of loss is such an important part of the equation when we think about uh, farming today, so people think a lot about food waste yeah. and 40% of food is thrown out. If you take it back to the value chain sure, all the way to sure. the farm, to that field farm, it's over 70%. So all of that embedded energy refrigeration uh, costs is you know, quite high. So the externalities of our modern day system need to be really factored into when you think about an apples to apples comparison. So we actually think we actually have a more sustainable approach and it's a much more judicious use of that okay. that we can track end to end.
0: Very good, very good. I have so many, more. I want to ask so many more uh, questions, but uh, I'm glad. I, this one, I, I, I'm look, turning to you as a visionary, and and an expert optimist too. Uh, if we Homo sapiens don't completely wipe ourselves out with pollution and political foolishness, uh, the pundits are saying. That or they're, Well, they're predicting a population of 9.5 billion by the year 2050. So my question to Mark is, can we feed ourselves adequately with the Earth's resources by that time?
1: Well, there's no question the UN has projected with the population growth that we would need to you know, increase our production by 50%. But what that really is not taking into factor is the fact that there's an asynchronosity where food is produced and where it's consumed. So the fact is that we can enable local production with this indoor vertical farming that AeroFarms is championing. We can really think differently about where our food's coming from and how to bypass uh-huh. what is a very inefficient complex supply chain. So I'm incredibly optimistic about our yeah, yeah. outlook and what the, some of the solutions are. And we're hoping to, uh, really be able to serve as an inspiration for other um, solutions to be able to come to the table as well. And we really need a, a very cohesive approach, And but we think that uh, we're very optimistic about things that we're seeing and things that we're doing today.
0: That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. And if I am a very wise investor uh, or um, and I am socially conscious and I want to latch on to the farming of the future, How might I get in touch with Farms to Invest?
1: Yeah, the best way is just to be able to uh, reach out through our website, AeroFarms.com. We actually have a contact form depending on areas of interest. It could be investing. It could be strategic partnerships. It could be media. Or it could be where do I buy AeroFarms Dream Greens and be able to get a hold of it. So happy to uh, share all that information. It's all right on our website. And we're happy to get back to anybody who reaches out to us.
0: That's wonderful, and I invite you all to chow down on Dream Greens because, my friend, they, uh, they're not only delicious, but it's it's a smart. It's, it's nice to take a bite out of the future, isn't it? So, Mark, I thank you so much for coming on the show. You have really, you've uh, not only given us a little nutrition, you've given us a lot of hope. So I thank you very much for all the information and for coming on. We'd love to have you back as you expand.
1: Well, thank you as well. I appreciate getting a chance to share
0: Okay, excellent. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. That is, who was it who said artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity? (laughs) And as a hint to the author, this genius knew that E does equal MC square and that grand rank does not equal great ability. So just remember, if you know the author of that quote, just write that author's name down. Send it right off to us at info at com to win yourself an absolutely career-changing gift from the dungeons of Barts Books Bookstore. And be sure to tune into the Art of the CEO radio show next week when Dr. Anne Sullivan and myself will be presenting you with some very valid and valuable business role models gleaned from, wait for it, the mythic gods and goddesses and heroes of elves. Anne will provide several wise, profitable models from, uh, for today's ladies. I will strive to do the same for those gentlemen of, of commerce and industry, and we are going to have a whole lot of fun discovering some new tools from the ancient past. And as a parting shot in the words of my wife's husband, your leadership image shines reflected in the thoughts and responses of others. They're your report card and cue for change. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Mark and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And finally to you, who have honored us with our time, with your—I'm sorry with your time, that is so precious, May I say, as always, it has been a privilege, and I thank you.